Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. I'm going to ask Reverend Marty Blackwelder to come. Come on, give him a warm welcome as he comes. Glory, man. Aren't those songs awesome? Now, you might have to adjust my volume a little bit because of these fans, but uh, uh, y'all can hear me just fine, can't you? Praise God. Thank you for coming back tonight. We're going to have a good time in the house. You know, every service has its own particular direction. Every time we come together, God has a purpose for us being together. And, and of course, uh, that was a beautiful worship song. Did you? I mean, what didn't you just sense the presence of God on that? Uh, but you know, tonight, uh, it's our prayer and it's our direction that when you leave this place, you're going to go out with joy. You're going to be led forth with peace. So we're going to lay a foundation from the scripture tonight. and We're going to get our joy cup full. Is that all right? I want to begin in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul, of course, uh, writing. He said, I have fought a good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all those who love his appearing. That's a beautiful testimony, isn't it, of the Apostle Paul? To know that he'd come to the end of his life uh, and ministry as far as this natural uh, world was concerned. And that he'd fought well. Uh, he'd faced the challenges and the oppositions of life. And yet he had finished uh, what God called him to do. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, I believe it is. The Bible says, wherefore, seeing that we are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds or become discouraged in your soul. And so we see from this passage, all of us likewise, we have a race to run. We've got a course to finish. And I believe it would be God's divine intention that each of us have the same testimony as the Apostle Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ that we finish our race, that we fulfill our divine purpose. But, you know, I think equally important is not that we just finish, but we finish with joy. Everybody say with joy. You know, all of us, no matter who we are, we all face the temptation in life at times to grow weary uh, in the journey, to lose sight of the goal, 
to become potentially frustrated at times, maybe if things haven't gone in the particular direction that we were anticipating, or maybe they haven't progressed as rapidly as we had hoped. Uh, you know, there's resistance in life. Uh, they're difficult people to deal with. There are financial, relational, physical, emotional challenges. The Apostle Paul faced all of these. And yet, you know, his perspective in life and his response to life and the challenges that he faced were amazingly positive. You know, when Paul wrote uh, the book of Philippians... And of course, theologians have termed the book of Philippians the epistle or the letter of joy. Uh, uh, he wasn't sitting in a five-star hotel with breakfast in bed when he wrote that epistle. How many of you realize that? Paul was imprisoned in Rome. Uh, he had several places where he was imprisoned in his time in Rome. One, of course, was a rented house for a couple of years, which wasn't maybe necessarily so bad. But then also, in one facet of his incarceration, uh, he was in, under Nero, he was in what we call a, a dungeon cell. This particular cell was located right below the central palace of Rome just above the central holding area of all the sewage of the city. And so here's Paul in basically a cave with very little light, uh, the stench of sewage all around, and it was in and out of those types of environments that he penned the words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, and you know that verse, notice what it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. One translation says, all joy be yours at all times. Another one says, always be happy in the Lord. Now, guys, wow. That kind of puts things into perspective for you and I, doesn't it? Realizing that our focus in life, our perspective in life can have tremendous impact on how we journey through this life and how we finish the race. So, you know, I think sometimes we think that, you know, if our circumstances were perfect and our situations were ideal, that somehow we could be happy. But did you know, and I'm sure you do, uh, that our circumstances and our situations in and of themselves do not possess the power to dictate our internal sense of peace and joy. But our focus, our attitude, our perspective, all of these things do. And so Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And the reason I want to minister to you along these lines tonight, friends, is because there's so much, as we mentioned this morning, there's so much negativity in the world right now. And even as a Christian, if you're not careful, all of the negativism, all of these attitudes that are totally contrary to the kingdom of God, that is righteousness, peace, and joy can begin to permeate our hearts and our minds. And we, as a born-again Christian, can begin to reflect that 
instead of what we are and who we are in Christ and the kingdom we're a part of. Can you say amen? So notice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, that's a wonderful scripture, right? But the question is, how do we actualize this in our lives? How can I, as a believer, make that a living reality where I can rejoice in the Lord always and at all times? Aren't you glad the Bible tells us? Paul said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of things you can implement. The first one is in verse 6 and 7. Notice he said, verse 6 and 7, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus so Paul said now one of the first things you can implement if you want to live this life of joy and peace he said you're going to have to deal with this issue of care are you with me? He said, joy is going to be most fully realized in the life of a Christian who has learned to live their life free from care. He did not say free from responsibility. He didn't say free from challenge. He didn't say free from difficult people, did he? He said free from the care of it all, right? <laughs> so... In the Living Bible, uh, I'll just read it or quote it to you. I didn't give it to Matt. But in the Living Bible, the same passage of Scripture says, Hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for the answers. If you will do this. God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, will keep your hearts and your thoughts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And then, of course, the Amplified Bible. Now, listen, this is the same Bible that says, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery or have other gods before me. The same God, the same Bible says, Thou shalt not worry or fret or have anxiety about anything. Now why? That's the amplified version. Don't fret, don't have anxiety, uh, don't worry about anything. Why? Well, because those actions carry consequences. Are you with me? They open the door to fear. And once fear enters, it begins to displace our sense of peace and joy and confidence and faith. How many of you know fear enters through the doorway of the mind? Fear enters through the doorway of the mind. Satan will come and he will attempt to paint on the canvas of our minds Portraits of fear, portraits of failure, portraits of the worst case scenario in the situation we're facing, all with the intention of what? Bringing fear. And then when the fear enters, 
it begins to displace your sense of peace and joy and confidence. You know, the word fret, when the Bible says don't fret, it comes from the old English word fretten. And it means or, or has the connotation of a bird of prey or an animal of prey. You know how they'll devour a carcass piece by piece. That's exactly the picture that comes from that word fretting. When the Bible says don't fret. Because why? Because that worry, that anxiety, that frustration, that fear. It begins to eat away piece by piece at your sense of well-being. Uh, and uh, ultimately uh, impacts your joy level. Right? So Paul said don't, don't do that. And how many of you know. Uh, if we were to say, don't worry, how many of you know what worry actually is? Now, friends, may I say to you, guys, this is basic 101 Christianity. Okay? If you master this, if we master this, then we master much. What do you want to do? Turn those off? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And then we'll, that way, uh, we'll just get it done. No problem. So, so um, I tell people, if you master these simple things, then you master much. People say, well, that's such, you know, basic elementary truths. Yeah, but are you doing it? <laughs> are you with me? It's not what we know is what we're doing. So the word worry uh, is, is actually, uh, when you think about worrying, what is worry? Well, worry is, is what we call meditating in a negative direction. How many of you know when you as a Christian you meditate something. What does that mean? When you're meditating you're reflecting and you're rehearsing. Isn't that what you're doing? Meditation means to reflect and rehearse. So as a Christian you know say we say hey let's meditate the scripture. What do you mean? Let's reflect on it. Let's rehearse it in our minds. Right? And so we get a scripture. Let's say you're dealing with fear. And man, uh, that fear's been plaguing you. What do you do? You go to the word of God. You find a scripture. God has not given me a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and of a sound and well-balanced mind. Now, here's a vivid picture. It's like a cup of hot water and a tea bag. You ever heard that example? Uh, like, for instance, you take this tea bag, you dip it into the hot water one time, very little of the color or the flavor of the tea is absorbed. Are you with me? What do you have to do? You got to dip it over and over and over. That's meditation. So if you've got a problem with fear, you get up in the morning at breakfast, you get that scripture out, you read it, you say it, you dip your tea bag. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind, right? And then, of course, at lunch, you get it out again, you dip it again. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And whatever the area of need may be, you keep dipping that tea bag till all of the power that is resident within that living word of God is absorbed into your human spirit and manifests the very thing it carries. Are you following me? So that's, that is meditation in a positive sense. Worry is exercising that very same principle, but in a negative direction, constantly allowing our thoughts to reflect and rehearse on the negativities of life. 
What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't have the money? What if I don't get better? What if the relationship doesn't uh, improve? What if I lose my job? What if this happens? What if that happens? Are you, are you listening? Constantly reflecting and rehearsing and you're dipping the tea bag, right? But it's releasing the wrong substance. <laughs> So Paul said, hey, don't do that, right? Because it carried consequences. So, you know, if we had to sum up Paul's theological revelation of these verses in a modern phrase, it would just be, hey, don't worry, be happy, right? Everybody say, don't worry, be happy. And you know what is absolutely amazing is that these words were not written by a man who was a stranger to adversity. I mean, if anybody had challenges in life, it was the Apostle Paul. The cumulative experience of his life and ministry, were ab those experiences were staggering. And yet this guy had such an amazing attitude. I don't know if you've ever read his testimony in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, 23 through 28, but I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. <laughs> Are you ready? Notice what he said. He said, you know, I have worked harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. I've been at death's door time after time. I've been flogged five times by the Jews. 39 lashes. I've been beaten by Roman rods three times. I've been pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times, immersed in an open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling, year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by deserts, uh, sun and sea storm. I've been betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery. Hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. <laughs> and he said, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches, and you and I think we've had a challenging 18 months. I mean, I'm not belittling people's experiences, friends, but none of us have encountered the totality of what the Apostle Paul encountered. But you've got to love this guy's perspective and attitude. Notice Acts 20, 24. He said, what? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which was given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel or the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Oh, the grace of God. So Paul basically said, look, I have learned, and it is a learning process, how to walk in joy and maintain peace in the midst of some of the most extraordinarily difficult and challenging situations you could ever imagine. Uh, imagine. And you know, you and I can learn the same thing. He said, how, Paul? He said, well, first of all, now you're going to have to deal with this issue of care, the weight of things, carrying them in your mind and in your heart. Right. And then, of course, closely associated with this is in verse eight. You say, why are you talking about all this? I thought we were going to get our joy cup full because I want to give you something to take home with you. So when the challenge comes and you're tempted to lose your joy, you'll know what to do. 
First of all, we're not going to worry, fret, and have anxiety. We're not going to carry the weight of things. We're going to tell God our needs. We're going to thank Him for the answers. And we're going to cast that care over on Him. Then we're going to do the second thing right here in Philippians 4 and 8. We're going to learn to think properly. Notice what he said. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, somebody tell me the next phrase. Think on these things. Paul said, I'm going to tell you right now. If you're going to walk in peace and joy in this crazy world, you're going to have to learn to think properly. Focus your attention properly because whatever you focus your attention upon, that's what's going to have the greatest impact on our hearts, right? So we got to learn to think properly. How many of you know the devil wants your attention? Oh my goodness, man. He's always vying for our attention. Why? Because he knows our attention is directly connected to our faith, our peace, and our joy. So he's always trying to get your attention. Look at it. Think about it. Feel it. It hurts. What's going to happen? You know, everything negative, he says, may I have your attention, please. Right. And so you got to put up your hand in the spirit, so to speak. And you got to say, devil, talk to the hand. You may not have my attention. Right. Some people say, well, brother Marty, uh, and I say it this way. I say, you know, you'll never walk in joy and peace perpetually with an undisciplined mind. That means one with no boundaries, no restraint. Right. Uh, an undisciplined mind's like an undisciplined child. No boundaries, right? Unruly, headed for trouble. And our mind is the same way. And so people say, well, Brother Marty, I can't control my thoughts. Uh, uh, now, 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 it might be a challenge for you, but you can do it. Now, because if I, now let me just say this. If I had a, a special helmet, and you know, it might not be too far-fetched to think this was going to be invented. But if I had a special helmet right here tonight and I could put it on your head and while I'm preaching all your thoughts were projected up on that screen for everybody in the room to see <laughs> I wonder if you could control your thoughts sure you can yeah it takes a little discipline it takes a little determination it takes some practice but we can do it and if we're gonna have peace and walk in joy we've got to learn to what Control this internal uh, conversation, have uh, focus our thoughts properly and harness our thoughts in accordance with God's word. So Paul said, that's how I've done it. I've learned to cast my care. I've learned to think straight. Well, Paul, what do you think about? He said, well, now I'll tell you, instead of focusing all my attention on the negativities, the persecutions, the hardships we just read about. Instead of focusing my thought life on that, I just redirect and I start thinking about what you and I would call uh, the internal realities of Christ, who he is in me, who I am in him. I just start thinking about greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. 
I start thinking about the fact I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for, I'm equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who infuses his inner strength into me. Are you with me tonight? He said, I just think about the fact that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I think about the fact that he's raised me up, made me sit in heavenly places. Far above the devil and all of his nonsense. <laughs> he said, I just think about the fact that nothing, man, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, in those moments where I could be negative, I redirect and I start thinking about the promises of God. And we can too. Are you with me? So what else do you think about, Paul? Well, I think about that. But he said, I'll tell you something else I think about. First Thessalonians uh, 4 and 16. Is it first or second? Where it says, uh, the Lord himself. First Thessalonians 4, 16. Paul said, I think a lot about the hope of heaven. And my eternal reward. And you know what? You and I should too. Notice what he said. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain. Guess what's going to happen? We'll be called up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore? What's it say? Comfort one another. Not frighten one another. Comfort one another. Paul said, hey, I take comfort in the reality that this life is temporary. But I have an eternal goal. I have an eternal home. I'm running a race. Jesus is going to meet me at the finish line. And bless God, I'm going to fulfill my divine purpose. I'm going to do it with joy. So that when I cross that line and I look into his eyes, I can hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Woo! Paul said, I'm living my life with an eternal perspective. And he said, I realize any sorrow, disappointment, persecution setback that I may encounter in this life is in reality light and momentary in comparison to the eternal blessedness that is awaiting me on the other side. I tell people all the time, I'm not belittling our problems. I'm not belittling our sorrows. But don't sweat the bumps in the road. This life is temporary. And I got some great news for you. If you're sitting in this room tonight and you're a born again child of God, guess what? This is as bad as it gets for you and for me. This is as, well, it's so bad. Well, just take heart. This is as bad as it gets for you. <laughs> because, man, you got glory after this. Woo! Sometimes I need to just up my joy. I start thinking about that. Woo! It's going to be awesome. Guys, we're going to have a time. 
I'll have everybody over to the mansion for a swim party when we get there. We'll reminisce, all right, about our, our night together. It's going to be great. Paul said, I live in that reality. And can I tell you something else, please? Do not allow your past to steal your present joy. I don't know one person in this life who's made every decision perfectly accurate. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short at times. But the Bible says in Lamentations 3.22, it says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You know that? His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Aren't you glad? So, uh, you know, Paul had plenty of mistakes. He, he actually was persecuting the Christians, dragging them out in the streets, uh, you know, in chains. And he said, man, here's what I'm going to do. And he said, I'll tell you, it'll be a good thing if you'll do it likewise. Philippians 3.13, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So when the devil brings up your past, you just bring up his future. Right? Because it's not too rosy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now let me give you some practical application. And we're going to get happy in here. Everybody smile at me. All right. Now let's look at Psalm 5 and verse 11. See, you can take this home with you. And I hope you will. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you take these principles and implement them. But notice Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. The Bible says... Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name do what? Be joyful in you. Rejoice, shout for joy, be joyful. Let me give you another one. Psalm 32 and verse 11. It says... Be sad in the Lord, you righteous. Gripe and complain and bellyache. Is that what it says? <laughs> no. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. And somebody tell me, shout for joy. Pastor was talking about that. All you that are upright in heart. Now, let me give you one more to substantiate my case. Psalm 35, 27. Notice. Let them shout for joy and do what? Be glad. Who favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now, I only gave you three verses. There's multitudes. But notice in those verses, guess what it says? Righteous ones? Yes, sir. Born again? Filled with the Spirit? Redeemed from the curse of the law. Heaven is your home. Yes, sir. Be glad. Rejoice. Be joyful. I don't have anything to be joyful about. Well, you're not going to hell. That's something to be joyful about. Thank God for that. Woo, you can, that should put a smile on our face. Right? But we're commanded. Notice that's be. B is an action verb. It's a command verb. It is not a suggestion. Be glad. Be joyful. Rejoice. So that tells me and it tells you. If it's a command, guess what? It's a, it's a choice. 
All right. Ooh, preach it, Brother Marty. And I guess if it's a choice more specifically, it's a matter once again of focus. Are you with me? Now, here's something you can take home. Every single one of us in this room, every one of us, from the time we open our eyes in the morning till the time we lay our head down at night, every single one of us have taking place on the inside of us what psychologists call and we refer to as internal conversation. You may have heard this term self-talk. You ever heard that term self-talk? What that means is you and I talk to ourselves all day long. This conversation is inaudible, but it's going on. You talk to yourself about your husband. You talk to yourself about your wife or your co-workers or your friends or your kids or what we have, what we don't have, what we wish we had. This internal conversation is our personal world and how we perceive it. And unfortunately, for many people, this internal conversation is very negative in content. Everything that is wrong with my life, my job, my relationships, my kids. You see, what you, you, you following me? That's what you're, what? Rehearsing and reflecting in this internal conversation. It's like, it's like a little record player or we'd say a CD playing on the inside. And then the alarm clock goes off in the morning and track one begins. And for some people, their song sounds like this. <gasps> oh God, I don't want to get up, man. I don't want to go to work. Can't stand my job. They don't pay me enough. I'm discouraged. My life is just going nowhere. I don't know what the future holds. I don't have anything to wear to work. My hair looks like last year's bird's nest. The house is a mess. Kids are driving me crazy. I'm not getting the support I need from my husband or my wife. Are you following me? Negative, negative, negative. And what we don't realize is this negative internal conversation is producing a mentality, a mindset. Then that mindset or mentality is impacting the heart and the emotions, the joy, the peace, the contentment, right? And then those negative emotions begin to impact the physiological body and can actually cause impairment. Because they're all connected. So what do you have to do, Brother Marty? You got to change tracks. You got to start singing a new song on the inside. Right? I learned this lesson myself. Because I'm, I'm a musician. Musicians are melancholy. Right? Kind of moody, up and down, you know. So early in life with Christ, I had to learn to change tracks, sing a new song. And I did. Glory to God. So when the alarm clock goes off in the morning, instead of, oh God, say, whoa, this is the day the Lord has made, man. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Everything I set my hand to today is going to prosper. Hallelujah. 
Right? You say, Brother Marty, do you feel like that in the mornings? No. You don't always feel joyful. But guess what? You're a Christian. You've got a well of salvation on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit, of course, has the fruit of, and we have the recreated uh, human spirit, has the fruit of joy, peace, love. is all on the inside. So sometimes all you have to do is stir it up. I'm from Georgia. We've got what you call sweet tea. Now, do y'all have sweet tea here? Now, sweet tea is when you, 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 you steep about eight or nine tea bags, right? Then you put in, while it's hot, you put in a minimum, minimum of a cup of sugar, right? And then you stir it up, and while it's hot, it dissolves, man. Then you add your ice and your water for your gallon of tea. Woo, it's good. But I go to New York and places like that. And I'll say, can I have some sweet tea, please? They bring me this cold glass of tea, ice in it, and a jar of sugar or packets. And then you put it in there. Where does it go? <laughs> it goes down to the bottom. And then you got to stir it up. It aggravates me because it doesn't all stir up. Right? Because it's cold. Well, same principle. Sometimes in life, I get it. Your joy settles to the bottom of the glass. And you know what you have to do? You got to stir it up. And God said, hey, I got some spoons for you. <laughs> well, what are they? Well, we just read a couple of them. He said, now, one thing you can do is when your joy level gets low, you can shout for joy. Didn't we just read that there? Shout for joy. There's something about shouting that kind of stirs up what's on the inside of you. Everybody shout hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Shout it one more time. I mean, sometimes I get down in my basement. Man, it's an unfinished basement, but it's my man cave. And I just get down there. And, I, and I, you know, sometimes in life you feel like, <laughs> but you don't. I go down there and I just start shouting praises to God and talking about how faithful he is. By the time I come up the steps, my joy's up. My peace is up. Are you with me? I've told you all this story. Maybe, I don't know. You guys have probably heard it. But talking about shouting. I used to, uh, associate pastor at Rayma Bible Church. We came in one night after service to the house. My wife and I. And the moment I hit the door, man, uh, came in the door, I, I, I had a burden to pray, an unction. Now, in Pentecost, uh, you know, when you have an unction or a burden to pray, you may not know who you're praying for or what you're praying about, but you begin to intercede in the spirit or in other tongues. And, and you just flow with that burden. So I said, honey, we got to pray and we've got to pray now. I don't know who it is. We go to the living room. And so, uh, or the den, and we're praying, praying in the spirit, 35, 45, 50 minutes, 60 minutes. And all of a sudden we hit what you call a note a victory. Now, when you're praying in the spirit and you've prayed something through in other tongues and the Holy Ghost is like, yep, we got it. And, and whatever it was, it's, the answer is there. You'll sense that. And sometimes, man, you might dance, you might shout, you might sing. Well, all of a sudden, that note of victory hit me and my wife simultaneously. And man, I took off dancing. I mean, dancing. You're going to see that in a minute. But anyway, I mean, dancing. And and I had, we had this little dog named Snickerdoodle. <laughs> 
Snickerdoodle was a little shih tzu. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. But anyway, he was on the ottoman, just minding his business. And I don't know why in the world I did this. But I was dancing, woo, glory to God, like that, you know. And all of a sudden, I just touched Snickerdoodle. <laughs> and I'm telling you the truth, God's my witness. I wouldn't lie to you. I just touched Snickerdoodle. And when I touched that dog, he jumped up from the ottoman and he started running around the kitchen table. <laughs> fast as he can run. I said, honey, look, the Holy Ghost is on that dog. I don't know if he was or not, but I'm telling you that my wife would tell you that dog got up running. Everybody say shout for joy. You can shout for joy, man. You can sing for joy. That's one of your spoons. You know, listen, you get up, you're getting ready for work in the morning, get in the shower. And, and you know, as you're washing your hair or whatever you're doing, I'm full of joy and I got the victory. I'm full of joy. You know, just sing a song. Now, that's about as far down as we fellows go, isn't it, boys? About right here. We kind of let the runoff get the rest, don't we? <laughs> but you just sing your little happy song. I'm full of joy. And you know what happens is your emotions pick up to your uh, in correspondence with your actions. You know Why? Because action is more powerful than emotion. Did you know that is a psychological and spiritual reality? Action is more powerful than emotion. So you can activate your joy. You can shout for joy. You can sing for joy. I tell people, listen, you'll never be able to feel your way into acting differently. Did you hear me? You'll never be able to feel your way into acting differently. I, I, I don't feel happy. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like lifting my hands today, uh, Pastor Tony, and saying, praise the Lord. I'm real. I'm not going to put it on. I don't feel like it. You're real. Real carnal. Because the, because the Bible says, the Bible says, put on the garment of praise, notice, for the spirit of heaviness. God knows action is more powerful than emotion. And if he can get you to start acting, it will impact your emotions. So you put on that garment of praise and a transfer occurs, right? So... Action's more powerful than emotion. I can't feel my way into acting differently, but I can act my way into feeling differently. So I can shout for joy. I can sing for joy. I can leap for joy. But you know, one of my favorite manifestations of joy, and that's what we've gathered here tonight for, is laughter. How many of you know God created laughter? That's news to some people. Oh, God created laughter? Yes. He made us in his image. Psalms, the book of Psalms says, he who sits in the heavens laughs, right? It's an expression of joy. Laughter is an expression of joy. And, and how many of you know, uh, there's just something uh, that, that uh, you know, relieves the heart, relieves the mind when, when you get a good laugh. 
Right? And that's why Proverbs 17.22 tells us. I'm skipping one down. I'll go back. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart does good like a medicine. Right? But a broken spirit dries the bones. <clears throat> so a merry heart does good. Psychologists, doctors will tell you when they can get people laughing, it releases certain endorphins in the body that produce healing and health. So in Psalm 126, notice what the Bible says. It says, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream or who dream. Then was our mouths, what? Filled with laughter. Excuse me. And our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord's done great things for us. Whereof we're glad. Right? Notice. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. Say it again. Now, contrary to popular opinion, Mark Hankins did not devise the phrase, ha, ha, ha. Actually, back in the 1990s, now we'll take you back a little bit. There was an amazing outpouring of the Spirit. I don't know if you ever saw it or were a part of it, but... You know, the body of Christ had become very dry, heady, you know, and man, they'd lost their joy. And the Spirit of God began to pour out in this aspect of joy, celebration. And uh, we were traveling at that time with a man named Kenneth E. Hagan. I traveled with him the last 11 years of his life in ministry. Well, my part uh, was to be the praise and worship leader. Also, you know, other facets of teaching and so forth. But I was the praise and worship leader. So here we are at our big winter Bible seminar in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brother Hagen, you know, we had 8,000 people there that particular year. Uh, all the overflows were full. It's on a national satellite television, you know. They didn't have live stream much then. It was more on satellite television. And so... Man, I'll tell you, there was the Spirit of God began to move in that place. People are getting saturated. They're full of joy. I mean, they're laying out in the, in the floor, laughing in the Spirit. There's such a thing as laughing in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit also is the Spirit of joy. Wouldn't you agree? If He's the Spirit of love, He's the Spirit of peace. He also is the Spirit of joy. I mean, they're laid out laughing. I mean, it's just wild you know and so it, this thing's been going on for about three hours and then i'm on the front row and brother hagan says to me over the microphone i'm the praise and worship leader brother marty do you have a song that will fit in here now you got to realize brother hagan was in the office of the prophet and teacher and he always told us as the music team he said now look if you sing the wrong song at the wrong time is going to kill the anointing. <laughs> no pressure. So he said to me, do you have a song that will fit in here? And I'm thinking in my mind, into this? No. So I boldly said, this man of faith and power, I said, no, sir. <laughs> I did, I'm the praise and worship leader. And he said, I said, no, sir. What? <laughs> Well, he looked at me over the microphone and he said right in front of everybody, he said, well, you will as soon as you get up here. So thank God, you know, there's a lot of steps up to that platform. 
So all the way up, man, I'm I, on the inside. I'm going, Jesus, 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 you know, give me the, the song. Well, all of a sudden, these words started bubbling up. No, I've heard it. But uh, it was ha, 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 he, 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 hey, Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Ha, 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 he, 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 hey, I resist you and you cannot stay. And so the, that kind of psalm came up. Well, the band came up, the singers came up. And of course, I'm a keyboardist, but I, I, I let somebody else play. Tony play for me. Uh, not this Tony, but another one play for me. So I could kind of, you know, just be free to listen to my spirit. But anyway, so I, 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 I don't know why it came out like this. But it came out like one of those old tavern drinking songs. <laughs> And I mean, 8,000 people started singing this. And it was kind of like, it was ha, 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 he, 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 hey, Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing ha, 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 he, 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 hey, I resist you and you cannot stay. Everybody sing it with me. Oh, ha, 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 he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you. Now sway a little bit one time and sing it. Oh, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. Mr. Devil, get out of my way. Singing, ah, ha, ha, he, 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 hey. I resist you and you cannot stay. Now, friends, listen, God is my witness. 8,000 people started singing that and swaying. And I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully. You'll understand the terminology in a minute. But the more we sang it, the drunker we got. And I don't mean on natural things. I'm talking about in the spirit. I don't, I don't know if you know it, but God never intended for us to go through this life sober. <laughs> He said, now don't be drunk with wine. We'll look at that in a minute, but be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going we're gonna to draw out of the well. Some of you need, you need a good laugh. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4. This is in the Bible. There is a what? There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. And guess what tonight is? Tonight is a time to laugh. But not just laugh naturally, but laugh supernaturally. Out of your spirit, out of your belly. Because there's a freedom, there's a peace, there's a joy that comes uh, from laughter in the spirit. I worked in healing school at Rama several years. We had people come in there with terminal diseases. I'm telling you the truth. And this isn't silliness, this is reality. Because a merry heart does good like a medicine. And sometimes... Not all the time, but sometimes the Spirit of God would begin to move in this joy and laughter and saturation. And people with terminal diseases, they would come up and, and we'd have the microphone. We'd say, now, now what, what's wrong with you? And they'd say, well, I have a t -t -t tumor. They'd get tickled. And they'd never been in any kind of a service like that in their life. The joy of the Lord would just begin to overtake them. Sometimes they would fall in the floor, laugh hysterically. Now what's happening when they're doing that? The fear, the anxiety, 
all the stress associated with that sickness, God is alleviating that. And then that healing power would flow in them and they would be completely healed. I've seen it many, many times, right? So we're going to get our joy cup full tonight. God wants you to leave with your tank full. Some of you have been running on empty. You can't go very far on empty, right? When I was a kid, this will date me, but I, some of you can bear witness. We'd go to the gas station. I was in the back seat, mom and dad in the front. They'd pull up, they'd roll down the window. We had an attendant. And they would reach their head out the window and say, hey, fill it up, right? You remember that? Now, why would they say fill it up? Because you can go a lot farther on a full tank than you can an empty one. Is there anything about being full in the Bible? Yeah. Acts 13 and 15. What does it say right here? Acts 13 and 15. Put it up there for me if you got it. Acts 13.52, bro. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to mess you up. Acts 13.52. And the disciples were filled with what? With joy and the Holy Spirit. Is this Bible? Yeah. They were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit and joy, they go together. Don't tell me you're full of the Holy Ghost walking around with an old, sad, depressed face. That doesn't go together, right? They were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Here's another one. John 15 and 11. Uh-oh. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Let me give you one more. Romans 15 and 13. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you. With what? With all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So if something's full or if it's filled, what is it? It's saturated, isn't it? If something's full, it's saturated. How many of you have got an old dry sponge at home, maybe on a shelf? You use it to wash your car, you know, or something occasionally. If you leave that thing out on the shelf long enough, what happens? Man, it gets dry. And, uh, you know, and if you throw that sponge, that old dry sponge into a pail of water, what does it do? Sits right on top of it. Why? Because it's impervious to the water. It's so hard and so dry. You might feel like an old dry sponge tonight. But what do you do? You throw that thing into that pail of water. And then you start working with it. Right? A little bit. And then it starts absorbing the water. Sometimes you have to work with the Holy Spirit a little. Yield a little. Right? Let him, let him work with you in order to get your joy tank full and plug into that well. It's like, you know, those hand pumps in the wells. You know, you pump it a little bit. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. It's like doing this. That water. But you keep pumping it. Ha 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 ha. Till you hit a gusher. And if you will, if you'll yield, the Holy Spirit will take hold together with you. And man, you can just drink deeply of the Spirit. Now watch this, watch this, Ephesians 5, 18. What did Paul say? Paul said, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, right? But do what? Be 
filled with the Spirit. Of course, that is be ye being. It's a verb of continuance. But notice, one translation says, don't be drunk with wine, but drink deeply of the Spirit. Now, do you think he used that analogy on purpose? I do. Now think about it. When a person is drunk in the natural, we don't advocate it. I'm giving you the analogy. When a person is drunk in the natural, how do they achieve that? They drink until their blood is saturated with the substance of alcohol, right? And if they want to stay drunk, they keep drinking. Paul said, same principle, different substance. Drink deeply of the Spirit and drink until you are saturated with the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we understand, friends, that that saturation can manifest itself in different ways. But tonight, the manifestation is joy. Are you with me? How many of you want to get your joy tank full? Well, if you do, you're going to have to cooperate with the Spirit. All right? Now, I was raised Southern Baptist. I had never been in Pentecost in my life until 18 years old. I went, I went to a Catholic Bible study uh, and I came out baptized with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> with Father O'Brien, who'd been born again and baptized with the Spirit of God. But man, I'll tell you, when I came in contact with this particular experience, I just was a natural drinker and never been taught. To drink deeply of the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever seen what it looks like. When someone is saturated with the presence of the Holy Spirit in this atmosphere of joy. But I'm going to show you a video back from the 90s when I was doing a meeting uh, with Brother uh, Hagen. Because I want you to kind of get a glimpse uh, of what it looks like. Now here's the setup. We'd had one of those services like that. For about seven years, these services were like this. It was just a move of God. And Brother Hagen turned to me, you know, and he said, Brother Marty, it's the end of the service. Sing a song. Well, friends, I had been over there drinking deeply of the Spirit just by myself. And I was so saturated with the Spirit of God that I could not function. I'm telling you the truth. Friends, this is real. It's not some put on. It's real. I know there are excesses, but it is also very genuine. If you've ever been in that type of a presence and situation. And man, I could not function. Well, this video kind of picks up right there. You'll see me trying to struggle to sing. But of course, in the middle of it, I kind of have a little dance fit. And I'll tell you another thing. Nobody ever told me how to dance. I don't know why I do, did it. I can still dance, you know, but they, they used to call me the electric chicken because I could, I mean, I could dance standing in one place. <laughs> anyway, Brother Matt, run that video and listen, while you're looking at it, don't just observe, begin to open your spirit and say, Lord, saturate me with joy. Are you with me? Come on. You came out tonight. You might as well get full of joy. All right. Go ahead and play that for a minute. Bring it up. You, you can see that was a while ago with my hair, dude.
Feel better now. Ooh. Well, just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. Just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for me. Just one dose is 
Lord have mercy. <laughs> needless, needless to say, I slept good that night. You can tell with my hair, dude, that's been a while. But listen, before we go, we just want to have, I want to give you an opportunity. I'm already getting blessed. I want to give you an opportunity to get your good laugh in. Are you ready? Now, here's what Job 5.22 says. It says, at destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. Right? You ever read that verse? At destruction and famine. What that simply means, I understand the context. But he said, Job, look, you've had a hard time. But the day's coming when you'll laugh at destruction. You'll laugh at famine. So if you're here tonight and you got some famine, maybe you feel like you got some bills that need to be paid. Don't know how they're going to get paid. Do you know what I've done? I wouldn't lie to you. I've gotten my checkbook out, put it on the desk, and just laughed at the zeros. <laughs> Beats crying about it. Just have yourself a good laugh, you know, and God fill it back up, you know. And so if you got destruction or you got famine, man, it feels like everything's falling apart. You just need to haul off <laughs> and have yourself a good laugh tonight. I'm telling you the truth. I'm sorry. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in laughter. I'm going to lead you in laughter. <laughs> So I want you to get in your mind's eye something you need to laugh at. I, and everybody in here, I know you got something you need to laugh at, right? I mean, it might be a bill, a problem, a job, whatever it is. Well, it's just going to just, let's just put the devil in his place tonight. Are you ready? On the count of three. And you might have to prime your pump. Ha, ha, ha. But that's all right. You prime it, the Holy Ghost will take hold of it. Are you ready? All right, I got something in my mind. Ooh, I'm going <laughs> to laugh at. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. And, and have your own party here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's good for you. Oh my Lord have mercy. Some of you need. <laughs> Some of you need a good laugh tonight. I'm telling you. Some people think this is sacrilegious, but it isn't. It isn't. God created it. <laughs> Goodness gracious! <laughs> y'all, all these y'all's. 
four of them? <laughs> you do need a good laugh, don't you? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Woo, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, mercy. You know... <laughs> We don't want to have a baby here tonight, so be careful. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, I always carry myself some jump starters. Because people need sometimes, they need a little help, you know. So I carry those jump starters. Now, I was raised Baptist. Anybody raised Baptist in here? Or any other denomination like that we had what you call bulletins you know you came in and read the announcements out of the bulletins but sometimes they had misprints in them or their inference was wrong like one of them said don't let worry kill you let the church help <laughs> lord have mercy i've heard that a hundred times it still tickles me oh mercy i like this one said uh, the sermon tonight, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I like this one said, this being Easter Sunday, we're going to ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh, Lord. I like this one. It said, and don't worry, Jesus is not offended because I asked him. It said, it said uh, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon this evening, Searching for Jesus. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh, Lordy. Here's one for the road. Said uh, Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight in Calvary Memorial Church. Come tonight and hear Bertha Belch all the way from Africa. <laughs> So many of them, but you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and so some of them you just leave out. But anyway, praise God. Somebody say ha ha ha. He he he. Hey! My spiritual father told me, and I hope you'll take this to heart. He said, Things will go a lot better for you in your life if you'll learn to laugh more. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. There is a supernatural strength. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a supernatural strength that comes. I, I, I don't know. I usually can control myself. <laughs> oh Lord. Woo. I tell you. You stay in it long enough, you just go, you just keep more and more saturated. And you can do this at home. <laughs> you can do it at home. I do it at home. <laughs> oh, my.
by myself. <laughs> I made it through some tough places in life like this. I'm telling you. Woo, praise you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Well, <laughs> oh, mercy. I know we got the kids and all. I want to hold you all night. But somebody say, ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hey. Stand up. I'm going to sing you a song. <clears throat> Crank up that. <laughs> Crank up that. I've got joy. <laughs> I don't know what in the world. <laughs> Come on. Woo. Give me a little verb. <laughs> well, maybe you can tell it by the smile on my face. I got joy. I got joy. It's a smile that comes from heaven that the world cannot erase. I got joy. I got joy. When I rise in the morning, see the day God has made. Sunshine or stormy, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I got joy. I've got joy. <laughs> Listen. With trouble all around me, I can sing amazing grace. I got joy. I got joy. Head problems cannot stop me. I'm going to win this race. I've got joy. I got joy. He's strength to my spirit, provider and friend. Can't help but shout it and say it again. I got joy. I've got joy. I've got joy. Listen. This joy is not dependent on what I feel or see. No matter what the struggle, I still have victory. This joy for my journey, no man can take away. The joy of the Lord is my strength today. <laughs> Jesus is the solid rock I'm standing on today. I got joy. I got joy. Oh, he's taken all my burdens and washed my sins away. I got joy. I got joy. When I rise in the morning, see the day God has made. Sunshine, stormy, you'll still hear me say, I got joy. I got joy. I've got joy. Oh, I've got joy. I've got joy. I've got joy. Come on. Hey, I've got joy. I've got joy. Does anybody in the house have some joy? <laughs> joy. got it we're gonna keep it amen wake up with it go to bed with it why it's on the inside man i love you guys you're awesome folk keep your joy level keep your peace level jesus is coming all this mess is going to be history Woo! it's going to be glorious for us right on all right pastor i'm gonna turn it back to you god bless you hallelujah well that's it do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.